You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, a podcast hosted by me, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps online course creator, consultant, and a Docker captain. This podcast contains clips from my weekly YouTube live show, where I host a real-time Ask Me Anything style chat with guests and anyone who shows up on YouTube chat, many of whom are students of my Docker courses. You can find out more information, including show notes for this episode at brettfisher.com slash podcast. That's B-R-E-T-F-I-S-H-E-R dot com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I answer a few questions about swarm networking, traffic as your proxy using console to store its configuration, and then I go into deeper detail about logging and logging drivers in Docker. Uh, so this was a conversation from chat. And it goes something like, I am trying to understand networking for Swarm and development. If I'm on my Mac and I run Docker Swarm init, that creates a manager slash worker node on my machine. Is the IP address of that node the IP address of my Mac? I'm trying to ensure that I'm using correct settings to connect a Vagrant VM to local Swarm for development. So that's an excellent question. Um, the answer is kind of. Uh, <laughs> all right. So... When you do a Docker Swarm init, and this is actually true, uh, this is true if you're using Docker Desktop. So whether you're on a Mac or Windows, if you're on Docker Desktop, and whether or not you're using Docker, Swarm, or Kubernetes, the built-in Kubernetes, those are technically running on a VM. They're not running natively on your host. So first off, on Mac, there's no such thing as Docker running on Mac natively. Docker doesn't, uh, basically Apple doesn't support the container, at least the containers, the type that we all think of containers with Docker, they don't support that in their native operating system. So the engine can't run there. Now the command line does run on, on your Mac and it's technically talking over a, a socket, a local socket to a VM that Docker builds for you. So you might say, well, wait a minute, when I'm using Docker desktop, I can still use localhost in my browser. That's due to something called VPN kit which is a library inside of Docker Desktop that basically binds the ports on your host to any published ports in your container. So whether you're using Docker with published ports or Swarm with published ports, or now Kubernetes with the load balancer or node port features uh, of Kubernetes, those will work with your local machine. So basically you can act like they're local host, but it's not really running on localhost. It's basically almost proxying that port. Uh, I'm not sure the actual technology they're using in the background, but they're binding that port to the VM so that all the packets sent to those ports on your local host are then sent to the VM. So if you have something else on your machine that you want to talk to that Docker machine, um, the easiest way is to publish the ports, let's say it's Swarm, right? In your case, it's Swarm. Uh, you're going to publish those ports in Swarm and then your VM can talk to the IP of your machine, right? That's probably the, the top of my head, that's, that's the way it's going to work. But the problem is that one, your IP on your machine is going to change and you maybe don't, um, you don't want to have to publish those ports. So the, the real trick there is that eventually you're going to want to get off of Vagrant. Um, and so whatever you're running in Vagrant, that can run in containers too. It doesn't have to run in Swarm. And when, uh, so, and the other thing about uh, Vagrant is that it's technically, I mean, you're basically running two different VMs, right? At the same time. So you're running the Swarm VM and the Vagrant VM. And so maybe you're in a transition mode where you, you still have stuff in Vagrant. You don't have it all yet in Docker. And um, so 
in Vagrant, and I'm trying to re remember, I think Vagrant's IP addresses can't be localhost. So, because uh, there is a method in a Docker container on your Docker desktop to access the host machine's IPs from in the container. So it basically is the opposite problem. Instead of going from your host machine into the containers using the local host, uh, it's being in the containers. And then how do I get to the host machine? Like maybe I'm running, you know, a database directly on my host OS. And that's using, um, uh, someone's probably going to know this in chat faster than I am. But uh, in the Docker documentation, there is a local host DNS address that would allow you to do that. The problem is Vagrant, uh, and at least in every way I've used it, doesn't work on the host IP of your Mac. It runs on its own IP. So, um, and of course, if anyone has dealt with this and come up with a more creative solution, uh, please say so in chat. I think it might still be Docker for Mac localhost. Yeah, it's Docker. It's host.docker internal. And I had to Google that. <laughs> um, yeah, so let me put that in in chat. So this doesn't directly solve your problem, but it's you know part of the solution of dealing with various things on your machine. Yes, host.docker.internal. They've changed it over the years. Um, oh, Michael Owen's in there. Yep, you got it right before me. <laughs> I, they've changed the name because it used to be a unique name for Mac and Windows, and they realized that was probably a bad idea if you're trying to run these things consistently across OSs. So they've changed it now to host.docker.internal. But that doesn't really solve your problem. Um, let's see if anyone else is talking about it. Yeah, I don't think anyone else has a solution yet. Um, but, I mean, if it was me, my goal would be to get those things out of Vagrant as soon as possible. Um, just because that's that's basically if you're doing Vagrant and Docker, you're doing twice the work, right? So the goal is usually to move everything out of Vagrant into Docker if you can. Um, otherwise, um, you might also just have to create a second Vagrant machine, only have Docker running in there, and then you'll have to connect your local Docker CLI to the swarm in that machine. But then again, that gets really... You know, you're, you're doing a lot of work there and it would probably be easier if it was all just running in containers. And uh, you can run containers, you know, for development locally that are just what I would consider not production quality containers, right? You can run a standard Ubuntu container and then apt get all the software that you might necessarily have in Vagrant, right? Because your Vagrant machines might be doing a bunch of scripts to set up. And so do that and then um, run those in a container locally, just like it would be almost like a full machine there. And uh, you can save that. You can do a Docker commit to save that container back to an image. We even had a discussion today about using Supervisor D. So you're using Supervisor D in a container. You can set that up. And then you can run a bunch of different things in the same container. That's not ideal for most production use cases. Um, but, you know, for local development, when you're just trying to get things moving and you're trying to get off of an old solution like Vagrant, basically the idea is once you're using Docker locally, um, there's, I've never seen a, a use for Vagrant after that. But like you're probably, I'm guessing, you're probably in a scenario where you, get, you can't migrate at all. Um, right, uh, David, you can't ping that host name because it's got to be from inside the container in Docker Swarm. It's, again, that's not the problem you're trying to solve. I'm simply talking about various ways that you can get back and forth. Um, from a Vagrant trying to get into the Docker machine, that's the little VM that's in there, um, they're probably not going to be on the same subnet. 
And so they're not really designed. Docker by default isn't going to be completely available on your host IP because it, you know, for security, right? It doesn't want to expose everything on your host. So I would have to come up with a creative solution that I just don't have unless somebody else, um, like Michael, has one on the call. Yeah, the name lets you, yeah. So hopefully that helps, David. If you have any more questions, uh, throw them at the end and I'll get, I'll get to them when we get to them. All right, I'm going to scroll back up. Um, so first, super noob question, console. So nobody I know, I don't, e so nobody, no, <laughs> nobody I don't even know what questions to ask about. Are you using it in your traffic Docker socket YAML? Um, well, console is just a key value store, so think of it as a database, and uh, it does some other fancy things on top of that, but it's used in my Docker socket YAML, so this is talking about um, when you want to set up a proxy for Swarm, because Swarm doesn't have like an ingress or any proxies built in out of the box, you want to set one in like that, then um, traffic is a great solution. Uh, we're actually working with the traffic team to see if we can get them on the show here soon and talk about more about traffic and some of their other projects. So that thing needs, uh, you don't have to have a database, but if you want to have multi-server failover capability with that proxy where uh, any of the nodes can fail, any of the proxy containers can fail and it can still work, then you're going to need some back-end system that it will um, store, at least in the free version of traffic. Uh, they do have a paid enterprise version that may have other advanced functionality I don't know of. Um, so in the free version of traffic, you're going to need that back-end. So we use console for that. That's their recommended storage. and then. You know, in my case, uh, what we're talking about here is um, dogs versus cats, which is a repo on GitHub that has a proxy global. So this YAML file is essentially trying to be a full-featured proxy setup for when you want to run a bunch of different DNS websites on, you know, different DNS names with websites on the same swarm. And so this has the actual proxy container. It has a startup container that actually um, starts the, before it starts the proxy, it dumps a bunch of information into console as a database at, per your configuration, which is all up here. And then there's also a little container in there that controls. Um, control security. So it actually does a proxy for your Docker socket for the proxy. Sounds a little complicated, but it's like the idea here is that it's, it's secure out of the box by default and it gives you the, the basic functionality you need to do DNS-based routing, layer seven routing, as well as get TLS certificates automatically for all your websites. And it's pretty sweet. Out of the box, it works pretty great. The one thing it doesn't do is the console isn't redundant. The console database isn't redundant. Um, but I've found that in smaller setups, you don't actually need that because that would only be necessary if console failed and the other things failed all at the same time. Um, because once they have their configuration, they don't, uh, they don't actually need console very much. Anyway, that's getting down the weeds of that. But uh, if you have specific questions on that, um, more questions on that, please let me know. Hopefully that answered whatever questions you had. <laughs> um, on that console. You don't need console for, for Swarm. That was the old Swarm, in case you're wondering. Like some people, um, some people have, uh, if you go to like github.com slash docker slash Swarm, that's actually the old Swarm. And I really wish they would change that name to like Swarm dash 
legacy or swarm classic because uh, it does confuse a lot of people when they're getting started with swarm they they accidentally go to that and that was an old swarm version before we had swarm mode built into docker uh which they released i think in 2016 and the old version required console or something else like etcd to store the swarm config now swarm that's built into docker it's all built in it just it's stored and replicated amongst the swarm managers and it's all a part of the same um, binary so it's nice and easy it tends to just work you don't have to, you know, worry about scaling or uh, failover as long as you have at least three managers and you just do that with a single command, right? Uh, let's see, what's next? Could you talk about best practices for application logging inside containers, especially when working with Kubernetes or Swarm? So, um, well, first off, in containers, we expect your apps to use standard uh, out and standard error in Linux to communicate their logs. So instead of them using maybe a special logging driver that logs to different files in different locations that would and then you had like a a, um, a built-in logging tool that was also running you know you don't want to do all that in a container ideally docker and kubernetes are um, and really it's just about docker uh, it's designed to manage your logs for you and then using logging drivers which is an option at the command line so when you do a docker run or a service create um, or uh, whatever you're doing there, that that driver is outside of your container. So you don't necessarily need the, the frameworks and the tools that you're running in your containers to have their own log management solution. This is kind of one of the anti-patterns that we got into around the last decade was, you know, it was really easy. Like in Node, you could just add Winston logging and, you know, add up some custom things and then have different files in different places for all the specific types of logging you want to do. And And that was great, but it doesn't, it doesn't really scale, and then it makes every one of your apps have to be configured differently because maybe you're not running all of the same frameworks and, and whatnot. So with, when Docker came out, they said, we're going to provide you essentially the tool that's going to get the logs out of your containers, which means <clears throat> your containers have to, have, have to consistently do the same thing, which is um, something we can actually look at on Docker Hub. So if I go to Docker Hub over here... Um, And let me go to, I think it's Nginx. Oops. It's underscore Nginx. I type it enough that I just know the URL. <laughs> um, so one of the things about Nginx is it by default wants to write to files in the hard drive. So inside the Docker file, you'll see this is an official image or official repo so this is a way if you have legacy apps that maybe can't change the way they're logging and they're just logging the files this is the standard option that you should be putting into your your docker files and what this is doing is this is creating symlinks of the locations where the app would normally log the files right and then redirecting that output to standard out standard error and so your error logs would go to STDERR, and then your regular normal sort of info logs uh, would go to STD out. And then you tell Docker where to send those when you do Docker run or, or service create, stuff like that. All right. Now, um, in Kubernetes, we sometimes see something called a sidecard pattern, where with each container in a pod, you could possibly create another logging tool that goes in there. Um, I try to stay away from that as much as I can, just because I'm trying to limit the complexity and the number of containers running in all the places. 
But in some cases, I mean, great, quite frankly, it's one of my jobs is to try to simplify the setup so that other people can manage it. And it's not such this, you know, this huge thing. Um, was getting in a conversation today actually about service mesh and how uh, we have this concept called sidecar, which means a container that runs by your other containers. And when you st start doing certain things, you end up with so many of these sidecars for every one of your containers. It, it, it can really, you know, increase the complexity of your setup. So my goal is always to reduce complexity. And to do that, I try to create a logging setup that uses the Docker login drivers, logging drivers built in. And if you actually just go to the command line and do a Docker info, one of the things that it puts out there is all the built-in logging drivers. And I'm betting whatever you need is there. <laughs> Chances are uh, it's one of those. And um, if not, they're, they, you know, whatever that logging solution you have is, they've come up with a way to get logs out of Docker because Docker... I mean, if you're a logging company and you're making relevant, you know, current day updated software, you're making a solution for Docker, and it's and it's usually a logging driver like this. So, um, that's a great talk. All right. Um, and a related question is uh, just posted: How to back up container logs on Docker Swarm? So you you don't want to want to back those up on the machine. Ideally, in any real world production setup. You want to get them. You want to have them using a logging driver to get them out of the server because there's, um, you know, there's no easy. You know, the Docker logs command is great for troubleshooting, but it's not a real logging solution. It's not a full fledged logging solution. If you're on AWS, you could just use the AWS logging driver with CloudWatch and just do that. If you have a third party solution, I like um, a really easy one to get started with. It's called Paper Trail. Uh, Paper Trail app .com. and it, you know, if you don't have your own setup, and probably you, a lot of you probably already do, you already have a logging solution for your non-container apps. I bet you that solution already has a way to get logs out of Docker using a Docker driver. Um, but if you don't have a solution and you don't want to use your cloud uh, provider, or maybe you have a cloud provider that doesn't provide it, or you have a uh, database, you know, you have stuff on, uh, sorry, not databases, but you have stuff on-prem and you're okay with cloud-hosted solutions, I like Paper Trail, SolarWinds, bought them a couple of years ago, but I've been using them for almost a decade. Um, they used to be called, they were a Rails-specific thing way back when they got started a long time ago. But now it just works. And it's got a command line client, so you can search the logs from your command line if you're a CLI geek. Uh, it has a great GUI, and with um, real-time logs, you're seeing them stream, and it works great. And there's tons of other solutions out there, so I don't want to play favorites necessarily. Datadog does it. Uh, I think, I don't know if Sysdig does it. Um, there's Logly. I mean, there's just there's a ton of them, right? And then, of course, you run Google, Amazon, Azure. Those all have their own solutions, and they all work with Docker. So your goal is to get the logs out of the machine and not have them sitting on the Docker machine because, really, they're just stored by Docker. If you don't do anything by default, they're stored as JSON on the Docker machine, and they'll fill up the hard drive. So one of the lessons learned typically when you first go to production is, oh, I need to limit in my, uh, my YAML files, I need to limit my logs in their size and basically have them roll over and do that thing. So you'll see actually in this uh, console, uh, not console, sorry, this, uh, this Nginx template I have here, I even set a little template, a YAML template at the top that allows me to set the logging size for each service I create to one meg max so that I won't basically fill up the hard drive with logs, you know, after six months of the servers just sitting there and slowly filling up over time. Because by default, the log limit is no limit. Um, 
So you, if you do that and then you add it into each service, you can see this little uh, nomenclature right there with the double less than. That tells the YAML file to spit out this part into every service right there. And so for each service, I have that template. And that's a YAML thing, not necessarily a Docker thing, but Docker does support the YAML uh, templating. So it, it does that. And you can set that to whatever you want. You can see here, if I wanted to support a Gelf driver, which is one of the built-in Docker drivers, I would set it here and then specify the endpoint that I need to send my logging to. Um, maybe I'm using um, ELK, the Elasticsearch logging solution. And I can set that uh, up here. And then for each service, it's going to shoot the logs over there instead of storing them on the local machine. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.